created for the MAPE community by the MAPE community. Left Unsaid is a podcast where we speak our truth, celebrate our talents, tell our stories, and explore what matters most to us. It's time to leave everything on the table and make sure nothing is left unsaid. Welcome to another episode of Left Unsaid. I'm your host, Carl Desir. And honestly, I don't know what to say about this conversation we're about to have. It's the end of an era, the beginning of a new chapter. It's a sad time. It's an exciting time. But I guess you want to know what I'm actually referring to. Our guest today has led Foray's foundation for the last three change years, taken a number of MAPE classes through some of the toughest times we've all seen. And now she's headed onto a new chapter, but I'm going to let her her talk about it. If you haven't guessed already, can you please introduce yourself? Hey, Carl. Hey, everyone. It's Rima, the former vice president of Town Equity Inclusion for the Foray's Foundation. Ooh, right? It hurts. I know. Hurt. Say it again, just because I, I like oh, it to hurt. It stings a lot saying it. The former VP of Boris Foundation. Wow. Yeah. Sad, sad. Wait, before we get in, uh, Rima, thank you for joining us today. Yo, this is gonna. This is a very special episode because we're gonna be we're gonna be wishing Rima well as she embarks on her journey, recapping. The accomplishments, the highs, the lows, the in-betweens, the crying, the laughing, the blood, sweat, and tears that went into the last three-plus years leading the foundation, Foray's foundation. Before we get into all that and that epic saga, we know we have to do the red, yellow, green check-in. Now, Reem, I know you've heard me say this many times because you re-listened to all the podcast episodes. Twice. At least. With the red, yellow, green check-in is a way to check in to see how you are coming into this conversation. For the new listeners out there, red means you're here, but you're distracted. Something else is going on. Green is you're 100% here, ready to go, no distractions. Yellow is somewhere in between. You know the deal. You can throw in colors. You can add some shapes. You can just tell us how you're coming in today. So Rima, how are you coming in to this conversation? I would say for the first time in a long time, I feel pretty comfortable saying I'm in a green wow, okay. with like a couple splashes of yellow. The, the splashes of yellow are just like the emotions of this conversation and this like the work that I've been doing and anxiousness around talking about it, but um, the excitement of it. But I feel like I'm in a really good green place in life. So okay. that's how I'm coming in. All right. Well, welcome green splashes of yellow. Mm-hmm. Going to have a good conversation. Where do we begin? It seems like only yesterday... You started at the 4As in the events team. 2017. So actually, you know what? Let's do this. Let's start it off like we start with our mapers. Okay. Tell us how you got your journey to the 4As, then the 4As Foundation running all their initiatives. Okay. <laughs> well, I didn't start in advertising. I'll tell you that. Okay. Um, I'm 39 years old right now. So a long time ago, it started off me thinking I wanted to do to uh, work in magazines and then started working there and was bored out of my mind and then really did a soul search of like, who am I and what's important to me. I went over into higher education, started working in community colleges in Jersey and really started like doing a lot of leadership development for college students and young professionals and moved back into corporate space sometimes and playing a lot of huge training conferences, but always missed like that direct impact and then did more leadership development trainings and curriculums and building workshops to really support people, uh, especially people of color and, and that are coming into the industries, not advertising, but others, and really t- talking to them. And then went over to the four A's randomly, uh, just wanted something new. And I think MAPE found me. Mm. And I think that's what MAPE does. So I was working in strategic partnerships and events and met you and met Taylor and Tien and Gloria and Al and amazing humans. And we're talking about MAPE and then found out and realized one of my closest friends in college participated in MAPE. And so when I was telling her I was working at the 4As, she's like, I know the 4As, it's MAPE. And just got really connected to the work. It just, I think, called to me. So that's how I got into the space of learning about MAPE and what it is and what it could do and what it could be. And just knowing like, I wanted to be a part of that. 
I love how you said, and thank you for sharing that story. I love how you said Mape calls, called you. Yeah. Mape brought you in. And little did you know you had Mape ties even before you knew yeah. what Mape was, just showing how prevalent Mape is out there. Yeah. And that was, I mean, that was in 2004 that uh, I first heard of Mape, but didn't really ever hear about it again, besides mm. one experience. But I do think Mape finds you. And I feel like Mape found me. Tell us. Tell us more about that. I think there's a handful of people who have worked on MAPE, even though it's been around since 1973. I mean, maybe what, two hands? What do you think, Carl? You're one, you're one of them. <laughs> well, there's, there's been, yes, a few hands, but not a lot. Yeah. And I career. think, you know, MAPE has this evolution and it has, it knows what it needs to go to the next place. And it finds the person for that. And I think every single person who I've met that's run MAPE brought something special to it, you know, and I think, it's just like it calls to you. I, it's one of those things, I don't know how to explain it. I feel like if you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. Haven't been there, haven't seen a few iterations of folks running MAPE. And I've told you this before, it needed, it needed someone who could really like help folks through a very difficult time, help them heal, learn, grow all at the same time and hold together. And having run it before you, I knew I could have done that. So I'm, you're absolutely right. Calls folks at the right time. It, it finds them and says like, this is your time. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how it does that. Yeah. It changes you. Yeah. And you know, you hear the stories all the time when you're getting to meet a neighbor after neighbor and hearing amazing human stories, but it changes you at the exact same time. And uh, I'm forever grateful for that. I, I know you know what I'm talking about, you know, and, and I've talked to, Anyone who's like run Meep has that same feeling. So, yeah, like I said, splashes of yellow are pretty strong. <laughs> it's an emotional combo, but it's also a really happy one. Yeah. Okay. So, like, you were running Meep for what, three years? Three years. Right? Three years. Who's your favorite Meeper? Number one, without a doubt. Hey, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you cannot do that. <laughs> we'll save that one for a little bit later. Save yeah. that one for a little bit later. All right, then you have to answer it too. Oh. Yeah, no. about that. Yeah. No, see, that's why I'm the host. Ah, uh, okay. I ask the questions. Right, right, right. Right. I don't get questions asked of me. Okay. That's how it works. Yeah, I'm not answering that one, but yeah. it's just but too many to count. Okay. All right. Okay. So, Mate finds you. Mate finds me here at. You know, well, let me ask you this. What was it like? Because I feel like having run it, I know you in that role, you talk to agencies, you talk to mapers, you talk to people in different positions at agencies. What are some of your biggest learnings from running the oldest and largest pipeline program for for uh, ethnically diverse and racially diverse folks in advertising? Uh, so much. I learned so much in this role and the space. I learned about the industry. I learned... Well, I'll tell you a couple of things. I'll, I'll be real I'm in a lot of different mm -hmm. ways. I learned MAPE is not the answer for everything. Mm. I learned MAPE is a movement okay. and a lot of really amazing, brilliant human beings in that movement. I've learned there's so much that's been done and so much more to do. And I learned there's a lot of people that really care and a lot of people who really don't. It's been quite a journey, I'm going to be honest. I, the biggest thing I've learned is like the impact that MAPE has had on the community uh, and but what the community has had on the industry. And it's just amazing. It's really brilliant people who you know have a lot of great stories and are really like some of the best humans you'll meet. So it changes you at the same time as you're changing the industry. Does that make sense? Resonates with me. I mean, you do. Are you looking for something more specific? Because I'm I'm just looking for whatever answer you give because that's your answer. Yeah, because I feel like we're about to get go deeper. No, no. I'm ready for it. No, I don't know. The, the next question I had, because you mentioned stories, and it got me thinking, if you're three years, what's like one of the most memorable stories from each year? Oh my goodness. Okay. 2019, I came in at the end of 2018. And let's see. I mean, it was a large transition, if I'm being honest, right? Every MAPE high schools uh, is all under the 4 Foundation. And there's a completely new team. And... I'll tell you my experience personally, and then I'll tell you another, you know, an experience with Mate that stood out. But okay. for me, we're like, what the hell do we do? You know, I have a team of people who like really care and are really down for it. And we just are trying to figure it out. And 
like I said, MAPE had the right people at the right time. And, and so, you know, your era helped really like build a foundation of where MAPE is right now and left with like a lot of knowledge and context. But our team had to figure it out. And I would say the bonding and connection that we got, just trying to figure out how to be able to best support this program and keep the legacy alive and also say like, how can we also support the alumni community was an amazing journey and was really hard, but like um, pretty, pretty rewarding. That was what my first year for the MAPE class was. 2019 was honestly the last class that's been in person. And so I didn't, I don't think I realized the impact of it at the time. Uh, and it was the largest class at the time. We connected a lot with that community. I can say one person that really sticks out for me is Mark Morin because I get to watch his journey as an IAM student and then doing MAPE and then working at the 4As. You know. What is IAM? IAM is one of the high schools that we work with in Brooklyn uh, that we partner with to help immerse them into the industry and they have an advertising track. And we support them a lot. <laughs> and they are just like really young, amazing students who are just eager to learn and also just don't even know what opportunities that they have in the industry. So yeah, getting to meet Mark, I think, probably I would say is one of the highlights. And he, I'm sure he has no idea I was gonna say that, but it's like a friendship that I was able to build from that 2019 class that kind of really just shapes what that class was. And it was the last face of talent in person. The face of talent's huge, Carl. You did not tell me that. You you worked on the event side of it. You, you knew. A lot, it's a lot. It's a lot oh, you, you knew the logistics of doing the event, but not the, yeah. the everything else that went on with, with getting Plus all the agencies and yeah. fellows and everything, okay. Yeah, yeah, shout out to Singleton, Shannon. Yeah. For kicking that off in 2011. You know what was, was amazing? Like, look, being a part of Selection, Selection mm. Day. Which, that sele day. which Selection Day? Because they were very, 2019, 2020. 2019. 2019. Okay, we're still in 2019. First one, and it was like, Selection is nerve-wracking for every single person involved. <laughs> <laughs> so that's quite an experience. 2020, I can't even, I don't even know where to start the 2020 class. Probably the most impactful experiences I've ever had in my life. You know, it's a, the things that we had to deal with. We're like, all right, we figured out how to do this in-person thing. We got this. It's 2020. We're, we're, we're all experts now. And then COVID hits, a pandemic hits, a racial pandemic hits. MAPE still goes on, you know? And that was a really, really huge I mean, year. I can't even imagine just trying to tell, again, agencies, fel you know, fellows. Yeah probably some fellow parents as well well some parents of fellows yeah as well you know just being like yeah you know this internship you thought you were gonna have in person in whatever city yeah like how how did you one personally like make it through that and also lead a team through that experience of having to relay that that sort of message at that time when you were probably you know it was out of your control but we had no idea what was gonna happen just like everyone else and we're waiting and agencies are waiting for us and we're trying to figure out what's going on. And every week, you know, as you know, during a pandemic, it's getting worse. And we finally had to say, you know, we have to figure out what we're going to do. And I was literally told my manager, just give me two days. I cried, I meditated. And then I was like, we have to make peace with it. They're going to lose their internships. Uh, but I don't, I can't tell them they can't be in MAPE. So what do we do? And built out this virtual engagement program in a very short time and then presenting it to hundreds of agencies who I don't think were ready to hear it and ready to admit to themselves that they weren't going to have internships. Then having to tell the fellows was really hard. And we didn't really handle it the best way, if I'm being honest. Well, I mean, okay. But how how are you supposed, how how often do you go through a, a pandemic yeah. and have to yeah. cancel everything? No, I Allison, I appreciate your grace. Uh, but if I can, if I can be honest about it, it wasn't always, didn't, didn't get always necessarily handled the best way in the beginning because everything was happening so fast. Everyone wanted to know what we were doing and we wanted to be the ones to tell the fellows first and an article came out about it before we could tell them. And so it started off not fun, but I will tell you what we were by the end of the summer, it was one of the most like connected MAPE classes, I think in history. I feel comfortable saying that. And we were right there with them. And we were it so we went through a lot together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine leading a group of young professionals through a time like that. So uncert so much uncertainty, so much fear, so much not knowing what's going on, so much anger. Twenty twenty had a lot of all of that. 
anything else from 2020 before you share about 2021? Uh, no, that's when I got coined Mama Bear. Started to teach me a lot about who I am mm-hmm. <laughs> and where I'm at in my life. But I, I owned it and brought it over into the 2021 class. And then it was a virtual internship program. So just changing, you know, evolving MAPE again. Mm-hmm. And lots of, you know, amazing humans again. Largest class, like 460 again. plus again. Most amount of agencies. And the first year we allowed industry partners mm-hmm. to take fellows. So trying to shake it up and change it. And it got some really good opportunities for a lot of uh, amazing young people and a lot of growing pains there too. It's like every year, each MAPE class needs something a little bit of different support. You're figuring it out in real time. I could tell you like, I don't know how, I don't know sometimes how the MAPE team does it, but they do an amazing job of it. That is true. No matter how big or small, no matter who's on that, MAPE, like you said, MAPE finds the people it needs to get the job done. Yeah. And they do it. So you've three years of running MAPE. You already talked about some exciting stuff, some kind of challenging stuff. You've cried, you've meditated, you did all that stuff. Yeah. If you look back, what, besides if you take out the having to tell the agencies and the fellows that there's mm-hmm. going to be no internship, what was one of the t- most challenging instances for you? And how did you make it through that? I think the biggest challenge for me is being a human myself and trying to give me i'm sorry because like are you talking about human in life you're talking about a specific you're talking about life you're talking about a specific instance during i think i would say learning how human i am and what i'm going through in my experience and how the work itself is so rewarding and so amazing and so impactful and also uh, sometimes you forget to leave room for yourself learning how to care and give and support people while also like dealing with depression and dealing with your own personal journey and your own experiences was tough to be honest facing that and owning that and then also realizing the impact you're having on your team you know we're also just a bunch of amazing people of color too we're trying to make in this world and we're all just trying to, to do great work and impactful work while also being humans and you know working sometimes 80 hours a week together and it's tough good that would be my toughest thing, I would say, because it takes a lot of energy to do what we did in three years. You know, people are like, wow, you made some really big change. You did so much for MAPE, the alumni community. Um, you built new programs like Vanguard and Equity Inclusion Congress and and all this stuff. And like that takes a lot. Sometimes I had to learn how to like come to my team and be like, hey, I just rolled out of bed today and I don't feel good. And I may need to like just turn my computer off at six o'clock because I just want to go back to bed. And still learning how to work with each other was really hard, but the work that we did, you could see the impact, you know, so it keeps you going. Yeah, I think some people, I think people are realizing it more now, especially after these last two years. But even then, I think a lot of people don't understand the toll that this sort of work takes on a person. It really challenges who they are because you're caring so much in one place that it does start to impact other places and to be able to hold it all at once that sometimes is one of the most challenging things about roles like this yeah there's a lot of like amazing work that that we did and also it's about people and so there's a lot of people that you consider and think about throughout your day right and it's not always um it's not always understood i think how much it takes to do that right everything we do we do it for mape we do it for vanguard we did it for those high school students and just for the industry, right? So it's a lot, it takes a lot. I think about my team all the time, my former team, I should say, but they're always gonna feel like my team. And uh, like, I always make, you know, send them my love because it's it's not easy work. It's not. So now speaking about your team. Yeah. When you're sending them love, Uh do you have like a favorite that you send more love to than others? You are just trying to get me in trouble. (laughs) That's what you're doing? <laughs> I, will, I don't know what you're. I don't know what you're talking about. No, oh I my god, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, if it's this can sound as mushy as you want it to sound, but like every single person on the team has their own dynamic energy, and we all gave each other space to exist. And so there's a lot of different energies, a lot of great intentions, and big hearts, and it manifests differently. And sometimes we got on each other's nerves, but mostly we just loved each other. And it's uh, every single person I think had a space to be them and to be flawed 
to be great, you know? So I don't have a favorite, <laughs> but I still stay in touch with them all. I'm really curious, like having led a team through such mm -hmm. difficult times, what did you notice about yourself as like a people manager that really kind of showed up more so than maybe other times? Yeah. When I first started, I was a different kind of leader. I would show them the ways of how to run really good programs, you know, and to think strategically and think bigger and how we can like take ideas and make them come to life. But there was also a lot of like, we got to succeed. And then I started realizing, you know, I also like, I tell them to ask for help, but they don't see me ask for help. And I tell them to stop working late and I don't. I tell them not to work on weekends, to take the PTO, and I'm not doing that. And I started seeing a bunch of really amazing uh, women at the time. We've, the team's grown, and but uh, at the time we're just like, they're looking at me and they wanna be become a VP and be, become an SVP and become higher in the future. And I am not showing them the way. I am showing them the way how to do this and burn out. And I got shingles one year, you remember that? Um, mm -hmm. I I do because I was alive in the Middle Ages when a lot of you. I'm just kidding. I have shingles no, in 2019, yes, right before the face of talent. No, I do. You know, Stress related. That's why. Absolutely, and I was not showing them what I think now, what I value as important, and so that's when I started being honest and vulnerable about what my experience was, and I noticed my evolution of leadership. You know, when I would talk to the 2020 class, sometimes we would talk, I would give them two hours of space in the evenings after we just had trainings and labs and they were upset about, they were wow. going through things. Yeah. And yeah. people criticized uh -huh. and told me I was doing too much. And I'm like, well, if I don't give them space, who will? And I started understanding my own leadership and leading through vulnerability, learning how to make space for myself and take the time to understand my team and that they're all completely different people and have completely different needs. I would say when I started just owning that I was a hot mess, I feel like I became a better leader. Now you stepped into a very vulnerable place personally about yourself. And also what I love is like, had that recognition of like, I have to like a way to lead is just by example. Yeah. If I show up, if I tell you one thing and I do another, you're going to follow what I do. Yeah. You know? And so many, so many people leaders and so many organizations have say things and have policies and then actually don't follow through. Yeah. With that. So true. And also I'm like, I'm over here advocating for them when they're not in the room and I'm not advocating for myself. That was a big lesson for me too. Like, no, I need to advocate for myself and what I deserve here as well. And for them in the room as well. So um, leading by example also showed me like, what kind of person do I want to be? Because I can like tell somebody to go be a good person, but if I'm not doing what the things I think, you know, would make, have a better work-life balance, then why am I telling anybody else to do it? Or if I can't advocate for myself, how can I go encourage any maper to go do that themselves too? So it allowed me to see like, who, who do I want to be as a human being? And if I want to, if I want more people in the world to advocate for themselves, I got to learn how to do it myself. So it's been a very healing experience. It seems like... You healed Mape and Mape healed you. Yeah, that's perfectly said. <laughs> perfectly said. I transformed Mape and Mape transformed me every single time. So it must also be, I mean, we just talk a lot about being a people leader. It must also be, it must be an impactful experience to be a leader in an industry as well with so much, you know, influence and advice to be given and people turn to you say like, hey, what's going on? Because you're, leading the mapers the mape team i mean and not coming from this industry what was one of the kind of hurdles you had to overcome you know coming from a different industry but then being looked at as a leader in one very quickly the first thing i had to overcome was this thought that you have to be from the industry to understand the industry and to make change in the industry and that was a very common thing I heard. Well, you, you know, you, she doesn't know the industry. And then I started realizing like how deep that went in the advertising industry. You know, it's how incestuous, you know, we say it all the time. It's a very incestuous industry where people go from one agency to the other. Having agency experience is highly favored. And uh, it goes a little deeper where it's like you have to, sometimes you have to have experience in that industry if you're hopping from agency to agency. True. Right. So like you only work on healthcare because you only we want people who work on healthcare to continue yeah. to work on healthcare. People who work on automotive continue to work on automotive automotive. But yeah. so it goes like there are levels to it. Yeah, and I saw that I it like I didn't understand it, but it seemed really important to people. All it did is really help shape me to say, how do I be intentional with this? And what do I want to do in my first 30, 60, 90 days? And 
what I'm going to do about six months to just understand. And I realized I just need to understand the people. You know, no, I may not know and be able to explain to you exactly how every single agency works, every single thing that goes into a brief. But I learned those things, but I can't tell you the experience of it, but I can tell you that that wasn't my job. It was to understand the people and to understand the experience that they're having and not so much their craft, but listening and learning about their craft because this is what people were passionate about and knowing that if I really wanted to understand them, I had to really try to understand their passions. So I just got to know people and then I learned about the industry. I think I think that's a it's an amazing point. Our you know every company every industry is just made up of people, our fellow human beings who have their own interests, their own challenges, their own successes, and we can never really accomplish what we want to accomplish if we don't know and understand the people that we are working with that we're working to provide something for. So I think it's, you know, there are things that can be taught. You can teach someone about, they literally do teach people about advertising in school. Sorry, can I be honest? I don't love the term talent. Okay, tell me more. It just feels like it's focusing on a a craft and not really the person. It's like, what is their talent that they're bringing to the table? So we just call them talent. I get it. I do it. It's, it's, it's a word. I mean, it's so like minimizes person to just their craft or what they're, what they are. And that's what I think. Sometimes we focus on people who are really good at their craft and they keep moving up because they're good at the craft, but they're actually just, they're people. There's a lot to them. That's what really impacts the industry a lot. And it's impacting the way the industry is going to go. But I just feel like we just call it talent and it just dehumanizes sometimes the people. That's how I experience it. Yeah, I mean, you make a good what point. Talent is what, it's a skill set that you can acquire. It's, it's not the person that is there. Right? Yeah. So then... How do we take a industry that's produced people to a skill set and actually re-inject some humanity? I want you to you solve this question right now. This is why we brought you on the right podcast. Now? I thought that's what we were going to do. We talked about it in the pre-recording. You said you were going to solve this problem. I did not learn that for years. No, <laughs> no, no. That is the. That was probably. Um, that's a really great question, honestly. And I think that's what we're all trying to figure out because even when you walk around, you're like, I'm the talent, you know, it's like, again, focusing on one part of somebody, but how do we solve that? How do we look at humanity differently? We look at ourselves as individuals and and work on our shit and figure that out. And that's not something one person at a company can do for all people. I think we all need to look at ourselves as individuals and work our shit out. And I think we could start there. That's my answer. How you gonna come in and say, oh, I don't have the answer to solve all of it. And you give us the answer, you give you show us the path to get there. Absolutely. I think everybody from the CEO to every single person that's in, in an organization needs to look at themselves. I think sometimes that's what really stops people from doing making change. And especially in diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'll tell you that. I couldn't agree more. So you got the answer. No. You tell me how I mean it's not an easy answer, it's not an easy <laughs> thing to do. But cause, you know, no. a lot of people are scared to look put themselves in the mirror. Yeah, and it I get is. it. It's hard. It's hard, but you have to. And I think, especially as a leader, you have to. You know, and especially as a person who one day wants to lead, it's like, what kind of leader do you want to be? I think a lot of times we just like lead through our fears, and that's what I see a lot, especially around anything that requires talking about equity and inclusivity. So that's my answer. You don't sound too sure about it. I don't feel like what, what's hap- what, what's happening to make you not be so sure of your answer. Oh no, I'm sure about it. I, I th- sometimes think people want a more specific uh, playbook. You know, like step one, do this. Step two, do that. I don't think that exists because if you look within yourself, everyone's journey is different, and so there's a different step one for everybody. Uh, so that's why I just think there, it's hard in this industry to like make some change because everyone's looking for something to just make sense for everybody, and that's not how it works. So why why you're not sure of your answer? Because of other people? I'm not sure my answer. I'm not sure it's not, it's not, might not be the answer people want. Okay. Is, I don't, I didn't think we uh, invited you on to give people what they want. I thought we invited you on to give people You're the right. realness. So what's your real answer? Look at yourself. Look at yourself every day, no matter who you are in this industry. And I think you, you'll get a lot of answers as to why there's not a lot of change. You know, sometimes there would be, we'd have conversations with a maper and they're having an experience. 
you hear the same type of stories that are really dismissive of their experience. And I think a lot of times I, I look at like a CEO and they're like, want to be inclined to maybe believe the manager and things like that. And I, I have talked, had conversations where I'm like, you see yourself in this manager. And that's why you're having a hard time understanding this Mayfellow's experience because you see yourself in the manager and not necessarily in the Mayfellow. fellow. So this is more about you than it really is about the manager or the fellow. Sometimes I think we need to look inside and be like, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid that you, because you see yourself in that manager that might look like you, that if you can acknowledge that there's something that they could work on or that they might've done to impact another person's experience, you may be admitting that you could be like that too. And I think I've seen that a lot in this industry. I think that requires people to look within and really understand. Is this about you or is this about actually what's happening in the industry? I, I think, I don't think we, anybody can get past themselves. Hmm. That makes sense. It made sense to me. I'm sure it made sense to a lot more people out there too. Cause like we're talking about leadership and there's so many ways to be a leader, not just a people leader, not by, not just a hierarchy leader. That definitive definition of leader is so broad. So I think I love it because this, this stuff really does relate to everybody, no matter where you are. No matter what company, industry, what level, like you can never stop that practice of looking yourself in the mirror and really questioning what is going on. Okay, I want to switch gears a little bit. Let's do it. I want, I want to talk about, you know, the experience of, you know, moving on from the wonderful team you built, the fellows. The, we also, what you can never really escape, Mape, is like it keeps you. If, if I'm not living proof of that right now, doing this podcast, where it's, this is what it is. Because it, you know, like the experience of, of having to like, almost like you, you're on top of the world here. Maybe you brought Mape through a bunch of stuff. You're doing well over the foundation overall. And, you know, it's something said it's time to say goodbye. Yeah. What, what was that moment for you? What was that? You know, there's a, a moment where, you know that you did your part and you know that if you want me the foundation i mean we talked a lot about me today but you know the foundation the as a foundation, whole yeah it's the whole thing it's like you know it needs it's it needs its new leader and it needs the next era and it's like time for the next evolution and i gave my part i gave like uh, i gave a lot to it it gave a lot back to me and i knew it was time for something new and i knew it was time for me too because if we're not challenging each other and transforming each other it's best to be able to say like what we had was great and it's time to to move forward and i felt like that i always told myself i would never leave unless it was something where it felt like the right time and the right opportunity and i'd spent a lot of time this year saying what does the foundation need to not need me you know and it does the mm -hmm. foundation doesn't need me now it's amazing this is i mean carl when you were the vice president there was how many people on your team three including three? me Right. There's 11 now. I mean, it's uh, um, amazing. And there's a lot of, there's still a lot of work to be done. They probably could use Always. another 10 people, but it's evolved, right? It's evolved. Oh, the Vanguard program is amazing. The high schools that continue to do really amazing work. The impact, the alumni, the work we're doing with the alumni and for the alumni is just continues to grow. And they're good. They're good. And so I knew that and I was ready for a new opportunity, a new challenge, and wanting to take what I learned and continue to make impact in a different way. And, what and you, here I am. It's and sad. It was sad. Sad. It was sad. Saying, telling my team, sharing it with, with the mapers and agencies that I've worked with for five years, it was sad. Um, but it was also really exciting, and I got a lot of support. It's like, it like the best way to leave if you're, if you're going to go. If you're going to go. Um, best way to leave is on top. I guess so. What was the most touching note you got on your way out? You don't have to. You don't have to repeat it verbatim. I mean, I'm sure you have it framed by your desk. <laughs> you know, it depends. Like from some agencies, when I was sharing with people I've gone worked through throughout the years with, I remember one stuck out specifically, and she's someone who we worked and went through a lot during the 2020 year and. She said to me, you know, I just want you to know that like you taught me a lot on this, on how to be a better ally and, and understand the impact that I'm having and the work that I'm doing. And, you know, I just want you to know that like, if you helped change somebody, you know, you change me. And I appreciate that because you do a lot of work with agencies and sometimes it's 
you don't always know if they get it. And that, that was really impactful for me. The fellows, uh, had nothing like, but just like, you know, that support, overwhelming support and like sadness of leaving. But I would say probably the messages I got from my team had the most impact for me. And it was, thanks for showing me that you can come in like a hot mess and come into the office and your hair is not done and you're wearing the same uh, probably t-shirt you were wearing the day before, but like you came in here and showed us that you could do that and still be a great leader and um, that they trusted me along the way. Same time. Like shit, that is the best message you could ever get. So that that probably was the saddest and hardest thing to hear, but also like the most amazing thing I've ever heard. You trying you trying to get me emotional? It's working. So, no, no, not at all. But it sounds like you know you really touched a lot of people in in different ways and and really had an impact in their lives and careers and. I also started off with a really great support system and I got to shout everyone out that when I was taking this role and when I was applying for it, it, there was a lot of imposter syndrome. There was a lot of like, there are people who know this work and have done this longer than me. The people who have been in the industry, I don't, I kept thinking about what I don't know, talking to you and Taylor and Gloria, Deanne and Al, I would definitely say you all like just answered every question I had and gave a lot of historical context. It was really helpful. And also just were like, you got this. And I, don't, I think that was, it is a lot easier to go with a support system and start something new. And so I learned the value of that. Cause probably before that I would just apply to something by myself and never told the person I was even applying until I got the job, you know? Cause it's like, you don't want to fail in front of people and you don't want people to, you know, you don't want to even act like you want something just in case you don't get it. And I was just like, fuck that. I need help. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know everything here. This is new. And so I'm forever grateful for that and for the team that helped us put this together and do the work. So um, I feel really blessed. I feel really blessed. So it's not, it's not as sad when I really think about the entire experience. They're gonna like, they're gonna kick ass without me now. It's gonna be so good. Yeah, honestly, you're right. I was holding them back. <laughs> they're so good. They're, they're yeah, amazing. You were just getting in the way anyway. Yeah, but. It's like a bottleneck. They are. They are already. Yeah, I've met them a few times. They're gonna, they're gonna hold it down. You have since started a new position, and I think it's interesting, right? Coming off of something like VP of the Four Ace Foundation, building that business and growing a team, and just making so many amazing things happen, people could say like, "The world's your oyster. What are you gonna do next? Where are you gonna go?" and doesn't even matter where and what company you work for. First, I'm curious, like, as you were saying, my time up here, my time is up here. What did you envision that kind of next move looking like at the time? I had no idea. I want to be honest with you. I was asked that all the time. What do you want to do? What's your, what, what do you want to be? Where do you want to go? What's your ultimate goal? And I have to be perfectly honest with you. I had no fucking clue ever. And it was, upsetting me. And then I was getting job opportunities come my way because I mean, anybody who's doing this work was, you know, and still is, yeah, um, you know, in the last year. And I would entertain them to just like learn and understand what was going on. And, but they were like, they weren't the right fit and they just weren't for me. And I felt like, okay, Hey universe, I obviously don't know what I want. And I don't, I obviously don't feel like I'm ready. So I need you to pause on all these bullshit ass, stupid interviews that are coming my way that are not alignment. And people would say, well, what do you want? I'm like, I don't know. I know I don't, I don't want this, but don't know what I do want. Then just focus on what was important to me, which was, I want to leave and make sure the foundation's good. And then as I was doing that, I started getting a lot more confidence in who I was and realizing the impact that I was having. Cause I was watching it, took a step back from it a little bit. You know, especially with my depression, I took a step back. My team really just showed me what we created. I started understanding my own worth. I still didn't know what I wanted to do. And I kind of just said, you know what? I don't know what I want to do, but I know I want something new and I want it to be challenging. And I wanted to, I want to be able to bring what I know to it and like learn from it, whatever that is. Like, I, I hope it comes to me and I, I'll see how it is. And I decided to approach it that way instead of trying to really quantify it and be in control and like look for something specific. So I started just entertaining a lot of things that came my way. 
a lot of them were like head of DEI and a lot of different industries. And some of them were partnerships and some of them were programming, all like little different elements of what I do. What I did realize was like, I actually like doing all those things. I love running the foundation. I love running a business. I love building programs. I love creating partnerships. I love relationships. And I love doing work that impacts diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so I was like, I don't know what that looks like, but I would like it to have that. And that's what started coming towards me. And that's how MAPE gives back to you is because a MAPE alum reached out to me about a role and connected me. I still wasn't even fully understanding the role, but I just knew it was the right one. I decided to take it. And you know, you know my story into my current role. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where if you put, if you trust in yourself, that you know what's best for you and right for you, you trust that, you know, you got a good community behind you and you trust in the universe, filling in the rest, that right role could just pop into your inbox one day. Um, and Yeah, you know, Judy Jackson told me one time. Who's Judy Jackson? Judy Jackson, one of the most amazing people ever and um, really runs and leads the diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives over at WPP. No big deal. I met with her one once, many times, but this one time we met, she was like, you know, Arima, I had helped her put a breakfast together for all the WPP fellows during the Face of Talent 2019. It was like really, it was an idea she had in like the the last hour and we put it together and she, you know, thanked me and she's like, I just want you to know, like, especially in this industry, it's the relationships you have that are, are most important. You know, just keep being you because you'll have good relationships and people will know that. And so I just like led with integrity and I knew it was just going to take me where I would go. And honestly, it, you've, I really realized you don't have to know everything and you don't have to have a full plan and you don't have to have everything laid out because it's not going to fucking work anyway. And it's never going to happen the way you planned it to. So I just decided to stop worrying about it and just be like, you know what? I'm just going to keep leading and doing what I think is best and I'm going to be human and I'm going to fuck up some days and I'm going to not feel good some days and I'm going to, you know, like just blow up all my plans and it's going to figure itself out. And it's like this faith that you have to have even when nothing makes sense. And for me, luckily, I, I had that faith and it started to make sense. A lot that faith you talk about, it takes a strong person to have that faith in themselves in a new space, um, one where you didn't come from the same industry, it's like, how do you, when you're like, how do you even build that, that faith in yourself to go through? It's... I stopped shaming myself. I realized like uh, I was being really hard on myself and I was expecting to do everything and that I was responsible for everything. And then I realized like, <laughs> it's a whole lot of bullshit. I started listening to my own voice and realizing like she sounds pretty bad, not sound very nice. I started just giving myself grace and just like owning. It's really hard sometimes to own your mistakes because sometimes we live in a world where mistakes are used against you or, you know, they're like used to make judgments and decisions about you. And so you don't always feel like you can make a mistake and be human. Um, but then I just like said, fuck it. And I decided if I don't even give myself grace, who will, right? So I stopped shaming myself. I tried to learn how to talk to myself better. And then I started realizing like, actually, I'm not so bad. I was pretty good at this job. <laughs> I was all right. And I did some good things, actually. If I would just like shut up for a second in, in my overthinking, I will hear that I actually did some really impactful work. And I hear people tell me that. And and I not I can't even hear it past my own like negative thoughts. So I learned to let that go. And like it left space for me to see myself differently. And then it's like, you know, Arima, you don't always do the right thing. There's some darkness and there's some light, but you're also the type of person who figures it out and gets it done. And you know, you have, you're, you're trying to do the best you can with the gifts that you have. So just keep doing that. And it always figures itself out. And so I just started learning to trust myself. And that was like five minutes ago. It was probably really quick. I probably clicked like a few months ago. I'm not trying to act like I've known this for a long time. I was about to say like we we've been on we've been we've been chatting in this podcast for longer than five minutes, so it happened. No, it, it's uh, probably happened in like the last few months, honestly. And I'm 39 years old. I feel like I'm just learning. Seems like it takes a lot of work. A lot about of, myself, like just trial and error, 
yeah. a lot of going deep a lot of that looking like you said before looking in the mirror at yourself which is which is the work the hard work but the rewarding work that's really great it's great to hear that you know in this instance you made it made it through that i, I noticed remembering before you're being a little dodgy about the company the job the, that you currently have that you got that you moved on to what you're doing where where yeah are you where am going? i going where are you where are you where am i i am yeah well i have started a new role at netflix i don't know heard of it have you heard of it i have yeah i think we're starting a pattern here carl and you're leading the way so except i, I skipped going to an agency but you know you work at four a's foundation so you're saying that everyone works at the four a's will one day work at netflix is that what you're saying oh no i'm definitely not saying that <laughs> i'm definitely not saying that <laughs> um no but um yeah i'm at you know like i said a maple Lum referred me and it's uh that maple community those connections you know that's what they do it's like they see you shine sometimes even when you can't see your own shine Ooh. it was cool it happened really quickly but i've, I've been here for like three weeks and I already love it. I'm ready to make some really great impact and work with some really amazing people. I said it had to be worth it. You did. And let me tell you, it's got to be worth it to to, to make it, you know, to kind of be like, okay, this is sad leaving, but I'm heading towards something that aligns this, not just any old job can replace what it's like working with the 4A's foundation and all the programs, the teams. So I'm, 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 I'm taking a leap here. I'm glad you, glad you found something that can really fill that void and move you and, and align with you. Yeah, I, it's, I'm really excited about it. I'm excited to learn, to be challenged, and to you know make impact in a different way. But still, it's still really helping support building programs and partnerships that are impactful and supporting diverse creatives. And That's amazing. I mean, it's fucking cool. And I will say one of the biggest things that um, I get to continue to see and help grow is this podcast. Because this podcast was just an idea that you and That's I had, right. like, and we we're just like, what what can we do to create space for the community uh, and the mid community, which means a lot of different things and a lot of different people. But how can we make that space? And it's been an honor to be able to build this thing up and see it continue to grow. And yeah, yeah it's so. just the two of us. And now, what? There's like six, seven people on the podcast team, and other yeah. probably like three or four other Mapers, Maple alum that have contributed in some way shape or form i heard so many stories i met so many more maple um i met so many more people from the Mape community but just to hear everyone's story and their journey in this industry and wherever it took them i mean it was pretty fucking cool and i can't wait to keep hearing more yeah it's awesome can't stop won't stop so we i you just sparked a question for me as you look back on your like three years at the 4A's Foundation. What are the things that bring the biggest smile to your face from those times? Damn. I would say some of the biggest smiles I've had were with my team. You know, let's say like after putting, doing something, some really, something really big, right? Like Mape Summit mm. 2020, that shit was fucking big and it was cool. And we had a strut ball and we had so many amazing speakers and so many people who came and supported and amazing partners. And it was a lot of work, but oh, it was so fucking good. Carl, I was there. you were there. It was good. That feeling afterwards of just being able to like see the work that we did. After every mate fellowship class, I'll tell you, like, I feel like for two months, your body's so tense because there's like so much to do. And then once it's done, you can like, you just release some of the biggest moments were some of the calls I had with, the, with that 2020 class. Cause we talked about some really real shit, you know, from like colorism to performative agencies and presentations yeah. to just pain and struggle of like, you know, everything that was going on, you know, and nothing, nothing beats that feeling at the face of talent. I'll tell you that too. Well, you don't gotta tell me. <laughs> oh uh, man. Yeah, I'm Good. sure there was a lot, lots of moments. So thank you for sharing those that, that you, you did. Listen, I know we could probably talk forever about all your experience, uh, but you're, you're a busy woman, big job at Netflix. I got it. I got it. You, you're barely making time for, for us anymore. 60 seconds. So you know what time it is. That we give our guests to leave it all out there on the table and make sure nothing gets left unsaid. Rima, you, we've talked about a lot. You got a lot more to say, I know. But 60 seconds, what do you got to leave us with? I'll share. I talked to a lot of Mapers 
and I still talk to a lot and I'm still having one-on-ones with some of them, you know, just to stay in touch. Um, and the biggest advice I would give all the time is, um, like create your own journey. I know that there's like this path that you think there is for you. And like, that's the only way to succeed. If you follow these like steps and this guidelines and you, you judge your, the risks that you take based on that set path, um, and how far you can go with it. And it's like, fuck the path. I've met so many different maple who have completely different stories and gone in a million different directions and it always ends up leading you to where you're supposed to be. So I would say fuck that path and just make your own. Uh, and it's okay that if it's hard sometimes, but just like keep going on that, creating your own path. It'll make a lot more sense when you do it that way. All right. Well, a, a simple thanks is not enough for all that you've given to make so many things happen while you were at the 4A's Foundation. And I know you're going to continue to, to be part of a lot. They're uh, never going to let you go. But thank you for coming on, talking with me and sharing your story, some of your experiences uh, while there. Um, if people might want to get in touch with you, where can they where can they find you? Yeah. Best, the, the best place. The best place. Not not on social media, I'll tell you that. I am not good at that at all. But LinkedIn is good. Probably the best place if you don't have my personal email already. I'm not sharing it over here on this podcast. Millions of listeners uh, that are going to be emailing you. <laughs> no, but like, like I would say LinkedIn or just ask ask the foundation team. They know how to find me and they'll connect you with me. But also know I'll probably be at every single MAPE event, every Vanguard event, every foundation event because... I just care so much and I also miss them and you just have my own phone. You a lot there. Every event, every I event. I mean, I mean, that's, if that's what you could do. That, yeah. You know what? More power yeah. to you. More power to you. Um, <laughs> but okay. Folks can find you on LinkedIn. I mean, I feel like we're going to have to have a part two just to hear about your, how your new role is going at Netflix. Thank you for being, you know, the other part of this duo who helped get this off the ground without you supporting it from the inside and the outside we wouldn't be here talking on the left unsaid podcast yeah just know last time i interviewed you you were worried that i was going to steal this job let's wait still 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 the host job just no that's yeah so i believe you're still going to do that you're still going to try to do that i would be concerned about you saying it's going to happen okay got it got it (laughs) thanks so it's like should i just pack up now and you finish this yourself like no, I at least can finish no, this episode. At least and then... it. Got it. All right. Because, yeah, I mean, we got all of 2022 to record. But I'll give you the logins and everything. Thank you to all the listeners. Thank you to the 4A's Foundation team, the Left Unsaid podcast team, every MAPE alum who's helped make this possible because, you know, everything we do, do it for you. Rima, can't wait to see what you do over there at that, that company I heard of just once, Netflix. Yeah. Um, can't wait to see you at every single Vanguard, Mape, I Am, Mecca, uh, 360 <laughs> Blackprint, everything. Till they kick me out. Everything. Till they kick right. me out. Well, I'll be there. Thank you again for listening. Thank you again for being here, Rima. And until next time. <laughs>